fight. Three, two, one. Welcome to Arcade Attack. <laughs> A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Sonic Boom! Phoenix Sonic Sonic Welcome, listeners and viewers, to the Arcade Attack podcast. We're back with, with another amazing guest. I've got Martin Brown here, the Team 17 legend. Martin, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. Hello, Foreman. Nice to be here. Thank you. Um, just before we get really into Team 17, which would be the bulk of the interview, obviously, how, how did you, how did your career in gaming start? Do you remember the first game you were working on and how did that kind of lead up to Team 17? Do you mind kind of uh, building the well, early sort of journey? Yeah, the, the first um, game we started on was a Spectrum game. Um, I was just doing it at uni while we were at uni. Uh, um, sorry, uh, not uni, bloody uh, tech. Um, it was just um, a Jet Set Willy clone. We just um, designed it and everything else. And I mean, back then, it was uh, the it wasn't such an industry as a, as a college uh, industry yeah. really. So. Um, we, I was 16, 17, and we just ended up making a game and uh, uh, decided quite really from that point that's all I wanted to do. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. And um, what actually led you to... I mean, I think you co-founded Team 17. What was the next part of that journey then, if you don't mind me asking? Um, yeah, so um, a couple of years passed, and um, I, I, I'd been working um, part-time in a, a games shop uh, right, yeah. In the north, um, it was uh, called Microbyte, which is quite a, a large franchise. It ended up, um, and I, I got a job over Christmas, and I, I got on pretty well with the boss, uh, um, a guy called Mick Robinson. And uh, um, and at some point, we just had an idea of uh, um, entering into software. So. Uh, um, we did it. Everything was pretty much off the cuff and uh, yeah. uh, passionate. It wasn't there was no great plan or anything. It just um, it just felt the right thing to do. Right, right. And um, and that did you did that lead to Team Seventeen then? And can I ask yeah, how no, how did that get um, its name? And yeah, um, yeah, we had we we started doing um, uh, a games club, if you like, for want of a better word, um, which. Sold software uh, um, online and uh, and and basically did a, a sort of bi monthly uh, on disc magazine. Um, and the company was called 17 Bit, which I named because we were a bit better than the rest. Um, and Team 17 came later, about a year and a half later, um, where most of the people that um, had been. Uh, dealing with it at 17 bit, which is people like Rico Holmes and Andreas Tarek and Alistair Brimble. Um, we just decided um, just to call it Team 17 for 17 bit, so um, and and make it start making games. Oh, nice. Um, we've actually had Andreas Tadic on the podcast before a few years oh. back now, truthfully, and he is a, a very you know gentleman and yeah. what a legend as well. And obviously, Alistair Brimble, um, you know, and his music, unbelievable. Um, yeah. I mean, what what was your role at Team Seventeen? What what was your particular role? I've got like producer down here for many times. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I kind of run um, Team Seventeen, and I was a producer and a hub of the developers, really. So a bit of everything, really. Um, uh, bit of design with Rico. Um, no, not, not any coding, I'm afraid, but um, um, and and just uh orchestrating uh, the the team really oh nice um what was the early days like for team 17 because when i was growing up as a kid and i was i had a massive you know big amiga fan uh, i always looked out for team 17 games i always see it saw them as a stamp of uh 
quality, if that makes sense. So what yeah. can you explain the early days of Team 17 and what was your ethos and the sort of uh, atmosphere of the place? Well, I think we were just really driven, um, massive Amiga fans. Um, and we were just passionate about making uh, games that, that, that really used uh, every ounce of power that the uh, Amiga had. So um, and I used to joke, we used to get pissed off with uh, uh, ST parts and things like that and 25 frames a second games. and So everything had to be smooth and uh, everything had to use every every bit of the power and, and push it as hard as we can. Um, and I think the whole team uh, was so devoted to, to, to making things as good as they possibly can. I mean, I, do, I I completely agree. I think Team Seventeen and Amiga seem to have like the dream partnership. Um, did you, were you a fan of playing the, any other Amiga games at the time? Did you get inspiration oh. from any other big games? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I was you know I was a big gamer. Um, I used to play them all the time, but it became a bit of an obsession when when we started, and we just um, just wanted to make things you know so much better and I used to look at everything to make sure we we were current really and and that what 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 everybody else was doing I mean, there are a few really good teams out there um making uh, good quality games so uh, but i mean i i at the time i used to used to play civilization a lot which is kind of opposite of uh what we're making but i suppose uh, it it, it it was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, fair enough. Um, I mean, what do you think about... Uh, I mean, T- Team 17 obviously did go into different platforms later on, like PC and a few sort of consoles. But was it for you, Amiga, not only, but was that your big sort of... Um, in, the, in the sort of 90s, that was your kind of focus, wasn't it? Yeah, well, um, really, that's where we'd all come from and that's all we, we really cared about. We were just making Amiga games. And around about 93, 94, when the, the market kind of collapsed uh, for, for Amiga, really, it was quite a sad, sad time. And, um, and it, you know, it, as a team, it, yes, we could transfer our skills and stuff, but something had, be, had been lost along the way a little bit. No, fair enough. Um, one thing that I thought Team 17 were very good at was you didn't stick to one particular genre. You didn't kind of like, oh, we're good at this, just keep churning these sort of games out. You did shoot-em-ups, platformers, um, like sports games as well. I mean, why, can you explain, was there like a big grand vision about what how you chose the games to work on? Is it almost like we've done this, let's do a don't know a thing? Or was it what was big in the arcades? Did you have a clear vision? How? What was your kind of process? Yeah, the, the ethos behind it all was just that we wanted to make a statement title in every genre, um, or as many as we could really before we got um, sort of hoodwinked into constantly creating uh, worms. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, there was obvious titles that on, on consoles and, uh, and in the arcade that they want to pay homage to. So, um, so we, you know... We, the, the likes of sort of Salamander and things like that, and Strider, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, and uh, everything. We got a, a zone spin on things, and, uh, we, and it was really refreshing to, to do something different every time. I'm going to now, if that's all right, I might go through a few of those games sort of individually and kind yeah. of go in chronological order, but obviously I might go a little bit off the beaten track a little bit, but. <laughs> Alien Breed was uh, not your first game, but I, would you agree it was probably the, the, the game that really put Team Seventeen? Oh, absolutely! Out? Yeah, it's, it well when it, when we started Team Seventeen, um, uh, full contract was already f- finished. It wasn't released; <laughs> it was finished, and and everybody's on with Alien Breed, really. So, so it was the first the first real. Um, uh, Amiga game, and, and it, it, I think early on uh, the t- decision was made to make to make it one meg only, um, and, and use half the memory for sound effects and speech, um, and, and that's something that really stuck, you know. And it's because we could, and because the Amiga could do that, that, that and and because very few other t- <coughs> other games um use the the memory for for speech and sound that we that we could stand out 
I can actually hear the soundtrack in my, in my mind right now when I'm thinking about it. It was so iconic. Um, I mean, I, I loved that game as a kid, Alien Breed. I thought it was a great you know, two-player game, top-down view. Obviously, it was inspired from the Aliens films. I don't think it takes a genius to work that out. But um, what was your particular role on that game? And, and was there any other kind of inspirations for that game? Um, <clears throat> Gauntlet. Um, as, a, as an arcade game, it, everything was... Uh, it was tight. It was a cross between um, Gauntlet and Aliens, I guess, really, um, and um, a couple of other uh, arcade games. Um, and my role really, really was sort of uh, the sort of production. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was just tying everything together with uh, with the, with the team, which the, the team were um, based in different locations. Uh, we were doing remote remote working. Mm. Uh, way before it was popular, so I, yeah. Because when I was speaking to Andreas, I, I don't think he was in the UK all the time. Is that right? I think he was. Yeah, it was, in, it was Sweden, so yeah. um, in in the south uh, uh, of Sweden, and Rico was either in Oxford or in Sweden, or depending on on uh, his relationship at the time. And Alistair was, uh, as ever, stuck in uh, Lapford uh, in oh. Exeter. And uh, Rico, was he the artist? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. design and art, yeah. Yeah, very t- I mean, the art is, is iconic, isn't it, to be honest? Yeah. Um, I mean, what was that like, remote learning? Because obviously the internet was not really a thing back then. Uh, so, you know, how, how did you communicate? Was it a lot more challenging? Obviously, it was more challenging than it was to, would be today, but was it difficult to communicate, or how, how did that kind of well, work? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we had none, none of the communication things you have these days, and we you know, didn't really have email, um, so it was, it was on the phone or uh, good old letters. <laughs> wow, I mean, that's crazy, you know. Could you imagine that? I mean, it, it, I bet it was a completely different ball game to it is now. Um, yeah, well, yeah, it's. Uh, um, I mean, we didn't even meet um, for a year and a half. Um, it was just a case of getting everybody together and and, and traveling, you know. So, um, I mean, I used to do most of the traveling around to meet um, meet individual members of the team, and and uh, like I travel to Alistair more often talking about uh, what we're doing on the sound side so it was easier than getting over to Sweden which involved going on a uh, plane to Copenhagen and getting hovercrafts and trains and things so uh, yeah it, it was uh, it was very different <laughs> I mean I've, I've spoken to other people other dev um, places like uh, Bullfrog and Sensible Software and they, they obviously seem to be in the same sort of place and I think I don't know. It, it, team Seventeen still got it working, though. I mean, credit to you, Martin, and credit to your team for. I mean, that must have been pretty challenging, but good on you. No, good on you. Well, it was very, very different. I mean, I, I left Team Seventeen, by the way, in uh, two thousand and nine. So you, you were there a long time. It's twenty been, years here. Yeah. You did co-found the company, is that right? Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you and is it you and Andreas? Is that right? The two kind of. Uh, yeah, there, there, there was uh, me, Andreas, as Rico. Um, uh, really in the main on the game side, and uh, Mick Robinson uh, on the on the business side. So, oh, good on you. Um, well, quickly back to Alien Breed. I mean, did you know when it was being worked on that this was something special? Do you thought was it not until it was released, or and you got the reviews, or did you actually know almost from day one that this actually could be a bit of a game changer for us? Well, I don't know. I think all we concentrated on was making it as good as we can really you know using every every bit of memory and, and sound and obviously you know we're we're quite aware that visually uh, and game, gameplay wise it was it was slick um but you never you never know um i mean i was in my early 20s and andres was a little bit younger and uh, rico a little bit younger as well um you never know how it's going to be you know um, met by the public and stuff, but you know we we hoped so, uh, and I think oh, well. everybody um, sort of uh, got excited by the amount of passion that we were shown in the game. So good on you! And obviously, Alien Brain spawned many sequels, uh, director's cut as well. It went into yeah. 3D as well as as, I'm, as you know. Um, I mean, what was 
But what was your decision actually back then between moving from the top-down view to 3D? Kind of was it was it the success of Doom at the time? Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, the timeline's wrong. Was that was that the reason or? Um, when we did 3D, it was we hadn't really planned to. Um, we'd done quite a few uh, Alien Breeze sequels and and uh, they'd been successful and everything. Um, but we um, ended up hiring a, a very talented guy uh, programmer uh, from New York University uh, called uh, Andy. Um, who who had basically written Doom on the Amiga, um, wow. and we just got thinking that you know maybe we can do something uh, and use Alien Breed uh, and just take take it a little bit forward, and, and we ended we ended up uh, uh, doing that really. Yeah, makes sense. Um, do you have a particular favourite Alien Breed game out of all of them? It could be anyone, even the really up to date sort of remastered uh, version. I think. Um, out of all of them, I I, prefer, I I the game that got got more more sort of buzz for me was doing the special edition, which was done really quickly over about five months, and I, I spent quite a lot of time in Sweden with working closely with Andreas, uh, and and the game was a massive hit. So um, I think it was thirty three weeks at number one. Um, so it. it, it, it it, it it was it was massive, really. Was there? I, I, I don't think it did. But was there any ever discussions of it going on consoles at all? Mega Drive or the Snake? Yeah, I don't think it ever yeah. made it. Or... Yeah, well, there was um, certain conversations about. I think um, there was there was we just showed the game to quite a few people, and there was a lot of uh, interest. Um, at the time, but, but for some reason or another, it, it just never made it because uh, you know, I, I think the consoles are the, the um, just at the time the the, the uh, cost implications of putting uh, things on console. It was a very different mechanism to uh, just write it and put it on the Amiga. So um, you know, we, it, it was different considerations. No, good stuff. Um, well, let's talk about Super Frog because Super Frog was an interesting and very classy platformer, a uh, different genre like Alien Breed, obviously. But the Amiga was crying out for a really decent platformer, let's be honest. I, I, I put my hands up, Martin. I was a bit of a Zool fan growing up as well, so apologies if that yeah. offends you a little bit. But I was a big Zool fan. Uh, but then Super Frog came along. I think they came out in very similar sort of times. And I have to admit, yeah. Super Frog was very good. I mean, it was classy. It had amazing graphics. The colours were so vibrant. And it reminded me of a kind of sort of, well, like I said, the Amiga was crying out for that really big platformer. What, what was your view? Was that, was that going through your mind at the time or your team's mind about we need to make something that can really stand out on this platform? Like a, yeah, a well, platform. I think any game we were making at the time, we wanted it to make it stand out and make it um, as, as good as possible and, and, and make it, you know, refreshing and, and really something for the Amiga to be proud of. So um, it, it was no different with Super Frog. We, 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 you know, we concentrate on the genre um, and just um, it, I don't know, without repeating myself, we're just yeah, yeah. constantly driven to making it look and play as good as good as possible. I mean, with a, a lot of... Um, Games on the console and, and, and stuff existing at the time that we we wanted to uh, and there was wasn't uh, too many. Uh, uh, hang on a sec. It's my wife. Here. Um, you know, there was a lot of uh, good, good games on the Amiga, but nothing we could. Um, really think is definitive so we want to make sure yeah. that um, we, we made a, a game to sort of withstand let's go uh, test of time really yeah yeah and it, it still looks good today doesn't it it hasn't aged yeah, badly yeah. at all in my humble opinion um Good stuff. I mean, how about the Lucasade deal with Superfrog? Can you <laughs> recall or recap how that came about? Was that just for funding, or was it? How, how did that? That's quite unusual yeah, at the time. Well, yeah, it was. You know, um, the the idea 
came from um, uh, Mick um, on, on, the, on the commercial side, which, which was doing uh, uh, some sort of tie-in. And initially, um, I actually wanted um, uh, Super Frog to be based uh, with Newcastle Brown. Nice. Um, <laughs> something the team used to do at the time. Um and but it didn't quite work out. We, we tried to get uh, the actors behind um, our Vida Saint Pet uh, to, to do the voices and have a Geordie Frog, um, and then it didn't quite work out. And anyway, we ended up with uh, uh, an option to put Lucas Aid in, which uh, we, it wasn't quite the same as the original idea we had, but uh, uh, and it wasn't a grand sponsorship deal, really. So. Um, yeah. It was something that Team Seventeen returned to, um, not to, not Lucas Aid particularly, but um, I think the industry in, in as a whole has, has got more uh, savvy with regards uh, sponsorship and advertising. No, fair enough. And I think Zul had ch- ch- chupper chups, didn't they? The lollies and stuff. Yeah. And... yeah. <laughs> oh man, can you imagine Super Frog Director's Cup, but this time. Newcastle Brown now that, that would be yeah, a game. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it would have been fun. Yeah. I don't know if it, I think some parents might have been a bit like, "What? Why is there alcohol in this game?" Yeah, I think some dis, uh, design dis, decisions were a little bit uh, masked by our uh, time down the pub the night before. So, oh, fair enough. Um, obviously, Superfrog had that famous intro as well. That must have taken up a lot of the space. Uh, but, you know, you wouldn't know it because the game, I mean, it, I, you must have squeezed a lot into, I can't remember how many discs Superfrog was, but you must have squeezed a lot of stuff into those discs because it well, did uh, yeah, very the, well. The, the game was on um, two discs. It was just uh, clever use of um, uh, mapping, tile mapping, that, that uh, Rico did an amazing job with the art, really. So, um, you know, so use and reuse of uh, graphics, um uh, it was second to none, and it allowed us to do big levels. Um, um, uh, you know, it, it, it just really looked great. So. No, good stuff. Um, obviously, Team 17 have gone back a little bit to their sort of archive games and bought, uh, bought out a few sequels here and there, but I don't think Super Frog's been touched since it was released. Correct me if I'm wrong, but do you, I don't think that's the case. And Do you think there is room for a Super Frog 2? Do you reckon that it could... Could come back as a you know upstage uh, platformer. I think I can remember feeling at the time that um, the team had really worked uh, its socks off on the game, and uh, thirty-two levels or whatever we did was it was a lot of uh, uh, time and energy spent on the game, and it, we just felt a tiny little bit burnt out uh, really by the end of it. Even though we were delighted by. Uh, the reception it got, and uh, um, the, the, the thought of doing it again, um, was, it was easy to move on to something else, really. So, um, and just one thing, another, um, um, the time wasn't right uh, to, to, to do a sequel. So, um, uh, maybe there is, maybe they're not. Um, um, It'll be very different if it, if it turned out anyway. We did look at various concepts where we'd super frog, um, but it, it, nothing ever really got off the ground. Okay, my, my, my next question is about body blows because, uh, as you I'm sure are aware, the Amiga had some amazing genres, but it wasn't really renowned for its huge uh, fighting games at the time. Uh, I know Street Fighter came out and Mortal Kombat came out, but body blows uh, I really enjoyed as a kid, but. Can you explain maybe the the concept behind body blows? Um, and actually, was the lack of buttons for the Amiga an issue when trying to design that game? And are you happy to sort of fill us in with that? Um, we received an external submission um, as as we tended to do quite often back then um, for for a fighting game, um, and it wasn't a genre where confident of doing because we, the, the makeup of the teams was such um, anyway we, it was an artist designer called Danny Burke who, who sent sent us the um, pitch for body blows and uh, we teamed him up with uh, a program we'd be 
been talking to called Junior. Um, and he, he'd flushed it out as a big fan of Neo Geo games and uh, and we're co- you know convinced that sort of uh, using the just the single fire button as a, a shift almost like in in the movements uh, it, it could do it and the programmer's uh, junior was very confident that he could uh, you know get big big uh, characters and uh smooth scrolling action and everything so we sort of went for it no good stuff i mean um how do you personally reflect on that game because it was um i mean do you, do you have a favorite character in the game or uh what, what what do you think personally made it stand out a little bit at the time um <clears throat> well there was an awful lot of hype about uh street fighter 2 uh and it was coming to the amiga and we 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 figured it would be just uh, a pot, like pretty much uh, all of the games. So um, we thought we could, uh, you know, stand out visually uh, and make make the game um, far more playable than uh, what the any official Street Fighter game was going to be. So uh, I'm pretty pleased that how it turned out, really. Um, everybody really liked it so it was good for us it was another big seller wasn't it for your team yeah. definitely yeah yeah um probably maybe even now team 17's most famous franchise i think it would be i'm sure you'd agree is worms and uh i i would love to know because worms has got an interesting history uh, about how it came about i mean i i hope you can fill in the gaps here but uh, is it true that the, the idea of Worms initially came from a competition that Amiga Power put on and you guys, by Amiga Format, and you guys saw uh, like, uh, this young developer called An- uh, Andy Davidson? Is there, is there any truth in that? Are you happy to sort of fill in the gaps of how Worms came about? Yeah, well, uh, Andy pitched the game to us at, uh, at um, the... Oh, I've forgotten the name of the... Uh, it was in Islington... Um, he pitched the game to us, and we just absolutely loved it. I think around the same time, he'd been um, submitting it to Mega Format to uh, uh, to design competition. Right. Um, I don't know the full detail. I think Marcus Dyson probably knows more about that than myself. Um, we were more con- more concerned with Worms on on the Mega when it was first pitched. I mean, when we just started doing um, a very successful uh, budget range at, uh, at Team 17, and we just saw uh, an opportunity to uh, publish the game. Um, but I, I must admit, even myself, I didn't realise that, um, even on first viewing, that the game was uh, would be so so loved, really. It was incredible. I mean, I loved it as a kid. I have to say, I played it with my brothers, and it was just so f- quite a simple game, but it was just so easy to play. And just it was, it cried out for like two, three, four players, didn't it? So, did yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Well, you, I, I take it you were a fan of the game as well. Oh, I mean. massive, we're ma- massive fans, and um, it, you know, people played it, staying behind in the office. Um, you know, the QA teams, everybody hammering the game. Uh, everybody was playing it, so uh, uh, people loved it to death. I mean, it must have felt a bit like lightning in a bottle, really, because obviously you've had success before. I'm not going to downplay that, but Worms really did. Are you, would you would you admit, Martin, that Worms kind of brought Team 17 to like another level? Like that, just it was huge, wasn't yeah, it? Well, it, it? It did really, because um, it, you know it was. Um, Part and parcel is getting into into bed with Ocean, who are a console uh, publisher. Um, so you know the expectancies uh, rose as TV and cinema advertising came around, and um, all all manner of things we haven't really uh, uh, experienced on the Amiga. So we, we, we had to grow up very quickly. Um, and, you know, it became big business really quickly. Um, it sort of changed his um, outlook and everything, really. And you obviously worked at Team 17. To, I think, is it late 2000s, Martin, you said? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously Worms are still being produced in different versions, yeah, yeah. 3D and different things. And yep. I mean, was that almost... 
how do I say about it? Was it almost a bit, not dull, but was it oh, and worms again? Or did it kind of, was it just like a bit of a, I hate saying the term cash cow because that seems a bit derivative. Well, but. I think, um, you know, there was an expectancy from publishers um, to, to, publishers wanted the hit that was worms again and um, they wanted a new take on it and a new, you know, so we were constantly having to sort of um, uh, find out ways to present worms in a different way, but you know, as, as developers, it was it was hard to make you know make sure something that we're building we're passionate about, and you know, to do this a first you know a version of the game again was was yeah. like um, it was draining in, in yeah. some ways you know it's um you know i don't know it, but, but, but most of the time we 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 manage you know to bring up fresh ideas and uh fresh ways to reinvigorate the brand yeah no, that's fair no I, no I agree with that um do you have a personal favorite version of worms was it the original was it like a future one like the director's um, cut is there one that stands out for you going that's probably my favorite I, I, I think um, probably Worms Armageddon um, on the PC because that was like the uh, early days of the second uh, version of Worms um, and that was uh, got a lot of influence from Worms Directors Cut on the Amiga and we sort of cross-fed uh, cross a lot of features over and it, beca- it became the first uh, Worms that was truly playable over the internet um, so I mean, that didn't be, that had enough problems uh, managing um, public on on the internet for the first time, but it was in, in, incredibly uh, exciting at the time. Um, Good stuff. Yeah. Um. Obviously, it's not as big now, but video game magazines, Amiga magazines, were huge. Uh, were they? Did that actually make a big difference in sales, may I ask? If, if you got a bad review or a really good review in a, a magazine or a, a bunch of magazines, did that actually make a difference to how people, how many people bought your game or did it have very little impact in your, in your opinion for Team 17? I think it had to do really because that was, it was the mainstream media of, of, of games. Um, you, you know, there wasn't uh, podcasts and things uh, back then and it um, really magazines were, were like the only source of uh, um, reviews and uh, uh, an indication of uh, what a game could, could be like really so apart from doing demos obviously which, which yeah, yeah. we did um, so I think it, it was important and, and that 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 we we got good coverage and and um, and uh, we worked with pretty much most of the magazines to, um, you know, make sure our games are featured. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, your games were highly reviewed and well regarded. Um, but I do want to ask you about a slightly prickly relationship with Amiga Power. And I know that Team 17 and Amiga Power would sometimes, uh, well, I, again, I don't know for certain, but I hope you can fill me in, they would clash heads a little bit or they weren't particularly fair maybe with their reviews and it seemed like they did pick on team 17 a little bit do you, do you, can you reflect um, on that relationship were you at, were yeah you... Oh, i mean at, at the time it was uh, um it was frustrating uh it felt frustrating because obviously we're working uh, as nuts off to to do to you know to produce good games and um and mega power looked at it in a certain way which we didn't agree with but um you know no i'm you know it's 25 years ago i think uh, yeah. things have gone past uh, by the wayside now but you know i think um egos and uh clashes of personalities were involved um but it, it's it's sort of by the by really a lot of it was um even the sort of clash became uh, somewhat of a uh, a talking point, and uh, uh, I don't know, it didn't really help, really. So, 
Mm. Oh, yeah. So I guess all PR is good PR in a way. It got your name out there still in a way, I suppose you could argue, yeah. It's yeah. all good PR until you have to deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough, fair enough. Um, I mean, did you ever bump into Amiga Power, like in like yeah, conventions? Yeah. Was it all was yeah, it frosty? Uh, was it okay? Or? Um, it's okay. There's a couple of characters which, you know, we, we just didn't really get on with. Um, and yeah. that's life, you know. You, you don't, you know... You, you can't get on with everybody. There's, ah. you know, it's, it's just by the by. I mean, I mean, we had a lot of a lot of good friends at Amiga Format, and even Marcus, and uh, uh, who ended up working for us. You know, it, it's like, it, it's like, with lots of friends, but we just, I don't know, just clashed. Nah, fair enough. Um... How about, I'd be interested to get your view, because obviously you were very uh, part of Team 17 success, but obviously over your shoulder you had Sensible Software, Bitmap Brothers, other big giants in that kind of industry at the time. How did you view them? Were they like, comp- well, obviously competition, were you kind of, they, were you respecting them, or were you like, we've got to get better than them? How was your? How did you view those kind of players? I think it was a healthy competition. We had a lot of respect for any team that could do... Uh, uh, great games, really. Uh, great graphics, great art, uh, great code, and, and great gameplay, really. And and the, you know, the teams you mentioned, Bitmaps and Sensi, both uh, in, incredibly well uh, respected. Um, and you know, the, they became good friends actually o- okay. over the years. Um, um, and and I, I'd, I'd like to think that. that you know, the sort of respect was went both ways. No, good stuff. Um, have you got a game in your history at Team 17, could be really recent or quite recent or very back in the day, that you're most proud of? Any game that you think, wow, actually, this, you know, this is my, I'm most proud of releasing this sort of game? Um, I think um, a lot of the early games really, we, we poured so much emotion and passion in, in, into the into all the games um, in certainly the first three or four years, um, that you know it was hard, it's hard to pick one game out because we we tried really hard with everything we did um, on, on limits uh, finite limits of the sort of time and attention time, size of the team and team's location it, it, we, we made hard work for ourselves. Um, yeah. But but everything worked out. I mean, really, all the, the effort involved in, in doing Super Frog and uh, um, Alien Bridge Special Edition and, and well, uh, Body Bros, everything really that we worked on, and then we sort of um, used all that sort of um, experience in, in, in when we developed Worms, really. Mm, no, good stuff. Um, was there any games, Martin, that you can recall that you you guys were working on that never actually was released? Like, so even if it's like a concept or was like I don't know half built, but because I've heard some, heard some great stories about unreleased games. And if so, is there any particular game you think? Well, it's a shame that never came out. Yeah, we, there's a couple. Um, the um, we, we we famously, almost famously, infamously, um, did arcade spots cricket. Um, which looked like sensible soccer, but it was obviously cricket. Nice, yeah, yeah. Um, and it it looked it looked as you'd expect, and it played great. But the uh, the programmer did a runner, oh, and uh, just disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, oh no! When I mean, ended up calling him up and got his dad, and his dad didn't know where he was. So oh. um, it was really you know strange. Carry on, really, because that had been. Uh, uh, interesting to see how, how that was done on the market at the time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we also had um, a, a game called King of Thieves, um, which was uh, from the uh, team uh, who did Alien Breeze, Andres and Rico, um, which was a, a, a pirate game with very good graphics. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I felt the, uh, the, the sort of design of the game was. Very generic, and and um, and I, I I felt it wasn't strong enough. So which right. 
did cause problems at the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So it looked, it looked good, but you just think it was yeah. gameplay-wise. No, fair yeah. enough. Did you ever hear again from that program who made the cricket game, or was it was no, all right? No, abs- oh. no it's one of the... Uh, um, oh, no. Yeah. I don't know what happened to him. I hope he's all right. Um, well, yeah. I mean, we, we presume he's alive and le- living in, under a pseudonym, so... Uh, that's mad. And, and was there no one that could sort of take his place to finish the game? No, or was it... not, no, no, not at the time. He got all the source code and everything. So that, that's... again, he, he was an external submission, and uh, we we uh, decided to uh, apply a sort of uh, arcade budget sports brand into it. And uh, and as as we did, we you know, we uh, published a lot of independent games. Um, and, and sort of put our spin on things, and, and it, it was a fabulous, fabulous opportunity for um, Alan Carter, I think his name was. And, he, and, and uh, if he's listening, um, get in touch, Alan. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a, quite a weird one. I mean, I was going to you did give opportunities to um, independent designers and people with fresh ideas, new ideas, and I think that's that's part of your legacy. I, I assume you're quite proud of. You gave. Uh, people the opportunity to release their games and like you obviously polish them up a bit but how do you reflect on that i mean that is that's quite unusual yeah, isn't it? yeah i mean i think uh working with sort of talented people who, who uh were finding it hard to get to get um uh to get um a place or, or i can't find the bloody word um you know it's some it's such a uh, hard industry to to get in and get involved and get your feet under the door and and it it's it, i mean it's a lot easier now with, with independent publishing and and everything else it's um an awful lot easier to get your game get your game noticed and onto platforms and um, even console stuff. It, back back then in the day, you know, getting getting uh, title on console was really hard work. You, you know, we we needed Ocean Software, um, you know, to to be able to do that, and um, and it, we 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 could offer a route to, to people um, using the Amiga and and, and the, uh, to a lesser extent the PC. Um, we could do that, and and. And it was always um, oh, I know, some bloody hell on this laptop. Is it? Um, the uh, you know, it, for me, finding new new talent and and you got a, um, a, a just a, a passion and an absolute hard working ethic from from. People who otherwise wouldn't get their chance, and, and really, everybody took it with both hands, really, and sort of it was sort of us against the world type of idea, and, and really, um, you saw the best out of people. Really, I think people given a chance will repay you, apart yeah. from uh, Mister Cricket. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, that's a crazy story. <laughs> <laughs> um, Team 17 um, still around today and uh, you, you know Martin that lots of Amiga dev houses have since closed it's quite sad really a lot of shut down uh, not around anymore but obviously Team 17 are still around why Why do you think they've continued to be successful uh, almost against the odds you could, you could say um, I think you know they, the way that Team 17 have published it's, it's been altered um and it, it sort of celebrated independent development. So, and they've um, they've kind of used their experience really well, um, um, looking after people and filling in a niche. Really, mm-hmm. um, and all power to them. Really, no, fair is. Um, Team Seventeen did did get a little bit of negative press recently about um, some NFTs they were thinking about releasing. I think some non-fungible uh, tokens regarding worms and, and even maybe some issues between staff and management. And I know that's very recent. I know you left a long time since then, but have you got anything you, you can say about that or what? Well, that's, that's for 
you know for the company in recent times i mean um all i can hope is that whoever's responsible for all that nonsense was taken out and shot (laughs) fair enough fair enough yeah um I mean, why did you leave Team 17, if you don't mind, Martin? Why, why did you leave and where did, it, where did your career take you afterwards? Um, I, I think, I mean, I've been in 20 years. Um, I felt like I was under a bit of pressure. I was uh, going through uh, uh, funny times at home, which led to a divorce. I had kids right. um, working crazy hours, doing a lot of travelling. And I think I was just... Um, I was... Uh, tired really um and I, I i guess i needed to change um so uh, so i sort of um it was very hard for me to do but um uh, i i just made the break and went went alone and uh, um and then just started work with um independent publishers and uh, developers helping them uh, using a lot of the experience I had at team 17 Oh, good on you. Um, are you still are you, are you retired now, Martin? Are you still working in games and projects? What do you mind filling in? What you up to these no, days? Yeah, I'm, I've been working um, with uh, a bunch of ex Team Seventeen guys um, and some re- really talented uh, independent developers um, doing mostly mobile games, but uh, some. Oh God. <laughs> Um, doing uh, mobile games and in, independent development really so we, we're doing uh, self-published um, stuff we've been doing pretty small games but when when you think uh, um, it's new south uh, soccer and uh, retro bowl those uh, million eight million eight ten million retro bowls downloaded now so that's one uh, of your games wow yeah, new oh. new stars. New, new star soccer is very well uh, liked and uh, highly rated. So, um, you know, we, we we continued working on on the similar sort of ethos again of a really good gameplay and uh, solid games. Really, I mean, mm-hmm. I think new star soccer and retro well, are sort of four point seven out of five, and there's. Uh, three nice. million reviews, I think, on uh, new So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, with the advent of mobile and everything, there's you're talking huge um, distribution. So, yeah. well, that's uh, no really, really successful career after Team Seventeen. Fair play to you. Yeah. Um, well, I did open uh, along with a close friend of mine who unfortunately has passed away. Now, uh, we set up a. A m- big mobile studio in Leeds uh, for Activision, um, and we we employed a lot of people from Rockstar and uh, Team Seventeen and, oh, and, and, and along the north. And um, unfortunately, sort of things things didn't really work out for, this, for the studio. I would point my finger at uh, uh, <laughs> Activision, but. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes things don't work out. So, uh, uh, I mean, the team was really great. And then uh, uh, they basically, uh, we did a Call of Duty game on mobile. Um, uh, it wasn't uh, exactly the same as uh, Call of Duty, but it was inspired by it. Um, and nice. that, that went to number one and stuff. And it, um I'd like to think that uh, we have the uh, vision of what um, you know that brand could do on a mobile game way before it actually did on mobile. Um, but people want instant, um, instant rewards, and, and, and we couldn't offer that really. So we had to wait for the market to catch up. Fair enough. Um... Almost the end of entry, Martin. I've got two final questions, and they're both. I think the next question is quite difficult. But do you have a, your top three personal video games of all time? Have you got? Can you think of three games that that really you love playing, or you loved as a kid? You know, growing up and so forth. Or? God, um, well, it's just I mean, um, thousands of games I've played, and. Um, 
I don't know. I, 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 I'd, I'd have to say Asteroids, the arcade game. Classic. Um, uh, Tempest. Uh, and Centipede, pretty much most of the early Atari stuff. Um, nice, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I do have the, the machines at home as well. So um, I've I, I played so many and I, I love so many games. It's hard to, um, you know, wax on about any one in particular, really. So, um, and I think like those early Atari games, it is um, really the first time you played them and, and then you couldn't sleep at night because the uh, sound effects going for any, through your mind and things like that. So, it, you know, it, it takes a certain game for it, you know. And I, I think, actually, when we did um, um, the second version of Worms, which we we, we did playable on um uh, well, it was playable over modem. It was even before the internet. Yeah. Really. But you could play um, uh, anywhere in the world. Really, you could play then. Uh, you talk, I'm talking, uh, and it, it, I was we were playing some people in Brazil uh, over modem. You know, and it was in real. It's real time turn based sort of thing. Um, and, and it worked, but that was an incredible feeling back in the in the day when very few people and very few games um, were able yeah, to. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's a fair shout, hundred percent. Look, Martin, thank you for your time so much. It's been so it's been really fun catch you know catching up hearing your stories. Um, you know, like like I said earlier, a lot of the games you worked on and helped create were uh, part of my childhood, and Team Seventeen uh, still have a lot of love for it even today uh, my final question is we ask all our guests if you could share a few drinks with any video game character who would you choose and why oh um well it w- i would have liked to have uh, uh shared a few drinks with the original super frog or it wasn't to be um, <laughs> yeah yeah with the newcastle brown yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um uh, a character, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm stumped. I don't know about that one. Um, I, I, I think um, I'd always wanted to um, go for a drink with Jeff Minter. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I've only briefly spoke to Jeff um, a, a couple of times, and then that's, we both got a, a love of Pink Floyd. Um, oh, yeah. um, and, but I'm fortunate to have really met a lot of my heroes. So, um, uh, you know, it's a very fulfilling career. Um, and, and there's a lot of very talented people out there. They're all, unfortunately, all uh, pretty old now. So, um, oh, a bit nice. like myself. Yeah. Oh, well, no, no, uh, Jeff Minter. Tempest 2000. Uh, that's what I know even best for personally on the on the Jaguar. What a game that is! Um, I think you could have a crazy night out with Jeff. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, um, Martin, thank you so much for your time. It really is an honour and a pleasure chatting with you. And um, good luck for the rest of your career. And good luck, you know. Thank you. All right, mate. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, thank mate. You. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. You can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcadeattackuk. Check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots more retro gaming goodness and to delve into our archives. Our podcasts are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support Arcade Attack, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash arcadeattack which will give you access to exclusive podcasts, interviews and other bonus content. So, until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.